0: Hello and welcome to the Creative Scramble. My name is Cal Thompson and today I'm joined by international photographer Rachel Vannavan. Have I said that name right?
1: Yeah you did.
0: Hi Rach, welcome to the podcast. So it's been, a bit of a, it's been a bit of an audio sauce fest so there's not been many females <laughs> on the show for some reason. So you're our first female guest so thanks for, thanks for your time. Could you just give us a quick bit of an intro about who you are and what you do for those of you who have never heard of you?
1: Yeah, well, I'm um, based out of Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, in the United States, and I've been doing photography for 10 years, and I got in right when the big natural light um, family newborn craze was starting. Uh, Back in the dark days of Flickr, there was no um, Facebook fan pages or Instagram or YouTube or anything like that. Um, so I, I really had a, a knack for it. it, Came a lot of it came naturally figuring it out and then um, once people started noticing me, they wanted to learn and then I started doing in-person workshops and then it just kind of spiraled into the, um, the, the huge uh, business that I run, multiple businesses um, that it is today.
0: What, what, what are those multiple businesses?
1: Um, well, I, I have a brick and mortar shop where I sell um, photographer items uh, for newborn photography and family photography sitters, um, which are babies who could sit unassisted. Uh, and we're hoping to branch into actually selling photography equipment in them as well um, as long or as well as I have like a rental studio and then i have like my actual photography business i still take usually around two clients a week on mondays and tuesdays and then i also travel around the world teaching photography and i have clients in other countries that i just go and do their their family portraits
0: wow amazing i mean that's <laughs> quite a lot of stuff like how, do you remember your first photography gig and like how you oh yeah uh, doing it
1: uh-huh yeah um well i mean it kind of i started backwards so um, back in the days of parenting message boards, there were these things called e-signatures. Is and, this like
0: MSN days? Oh uh,
1: yeah, it was called MySpace days. <laughs> yes, well, it was called um, I Village, and it was for parents to kind of get on and be like, oh, you know, my baby's doing this, and I'm worried, or I'm pregnant, I can't wait to have babies. Like, let me, you know, this baby. Let me um, find other moms who are pregnant too. So, I was a member of those boards, and there were these things called e signatures where it would be like Rachel, wife to Nick, mom to Brynn and Nicholas, expecting uh, a little baby in May. And then people would um, have their pictures on there. So, it would show those, those people I just said, you know, my husband and my children. And they wanted it, it was like a graphic design. Like I actually taught myself um, Photoshop so I could make these for other people. First I just wanted to make my own because I, I didn't really like everybody's, <laughs> so I made my own. And um, I started become well-known for making really good e-signatures called Siggies. And there was actually a headhunter um, in England who found me, because um, I was just making them for free. And she was like, oh, would you, you're really good at graphic design, would you like to build websites? So I started um, building websites. She paid me like nothing, but um, it was an income. And what I learned was, I learned that people who sent me pictures for these siggies uh, that were taken in natural light with no clutter in the background, that those ones did a lot better than um, the people who took one with a flash or you know really bad lit portrait. So I kind of started backwards, and I learned. How to take good pictures by editing other people's bad pictures. So, um, my first shoot was really, I just did for friends and family. Uh, for a long time, I just, people would hang pictures I took at like play dates up on their walls. And then I started getting referrals because this was before Facebook. So, people would ask, you know, what, you know, who took your pictures? And they're like, oh, my friend Rachel, but she's not a photographer. And then they would reach out to me. So, that was how I started doing photography.
0: Awesome. How do you think you can stand out as a photographer nowadays considering it's, it's quite, especially in the UK, it's quite mm-hmm. a saturated market in terms of, you know, it's very accessible to a lot of people. Uh, how do you stand out as a professional photographer and what makes you sort of different, do you think?
1: Um, I think that for the most part, there are, thanks to Facebook and social media, more and more people want their their portraits taken. and. You know, quite frankly, there's not enough photographers for every person um, in every budget level that wants their pictures taken. That's why I kind of, I mean, I think that uh, I would say like there's not really a lot of competition um, for me because there's always babies being born. And I think that a lot of people, the downfall of that though, is they're following other photographers and they're completely mimicking every single thing one photographer does. So they end up looking just like a knockoff, I guess. And I think that um, it's so important to find out what makes, you know, your heartbeat faster, what kind of photography, you know, makes you love your job because that is really the only thing that can translate um, and make you unique is your personal passion translating through your images. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So that, I guess, find your passion first, and then the work will come secondary to that.
1: Yeah, and and really, sometimes I think that people need to take social media breaks so they're not being influenced by everybody else right now. Um, I know, like, in the photography world, there's a big push to do film presets and edits that look like film. Um, And while I have to be really careful not to be, like this, you know, stingy, you know, old person who doesn't like the newfangled ways of editing. um, I also have to look at it um, from what is a fad and what is um, gonna last forever. So I try to make sure that my pictures look, well, won't look outdated in five years. And I think that pretty much throughout my entire career, I can look back even when I was portfolio building and I still love those pictures because I never really over edited.
0: Okay, awesome. I know you said take a break from social media, but I do want to touch on the fact that you've got over two hundred thousand followers on your <laughs> Facebook page. Now that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. You know, how did you go about like building that? Is that all generally through referrals or and, like sort of snowballing from there, or um, do you have any like secrets?
1: Yeah. No. I I never I never bought followers, and I very rarely actually even uh, run ads on Facebook. I think that. Um, Facebook's algorithm has changed so much over the past couple of years. It was like June 6, 2016, I think, is when they stopped um, pushing uh, business pages and they started trying to get it to be more family and friends, which, I mean, of course, all of us hate. But you can still um, work with that algorithm. Their entire algorithm now is based on interactions so it's, <laughs> Facebook has enough money to know if you say, do you like this in color or black and white? Um, they realize that everybody saying black and white or color is not like a genuine interaction. So they're not going to put that in people's feeds. Now, if you, you know pour your heart out and really put out like an amazing image, that's going to get people talking. And anything that gets people talking, um, Facebook is going to push into feeds, but it is really hard nowadays to... To, to get out there. And a lot of people are moving over to Instagram, but I'm not giving up on Facebook yet.
0: Mark Zuckerberg will be very, very pleased.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess he owns uh, Instagram too, so either way he's gonna be happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so do you think marketing is, is just as important as the actual photography itself?
1: Yes, so but <laughs> I definitely have gotten lucky because I really haven't done any type of marketing. I don't even know, I mean, I didn't know what an SEO was until like March of this year. Uh, I got connected with an actual marketing company for the first time this year and I'm really excited um, about how much further it can take my business and I just hired um, this amazing graphic designer named Ambrose and so she is going to be the one helping me um, create marketing materials to really uh, get more of my business out there.
0: Okay, awesome. So. Obviously, you've got, you're you a commercial photographer, and you have your own clients, but you also mentioned that you teach workshops yes. uh, you know, all over the world. You're doing a, a new collective, I believe, Rachel Vannerman Collective. What, what is that? Can you just tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, um, so, gosh, maybe back in 2011, um, I was teaching workshops, and what I was realizing was after the workshop, sometimes people would be really nervous, or they were just you know so engrossed in learning, um, that they would forget uh, what they had just learned from me. They'd go home and be like, oh, man, like, I totally forget what Rachel said about this. Or, you know, maybe we had siblings and, you know, the older brother did not cooperate at all. And so they didn't get to see me work with siblings. So I made the very first online guide for newborns, I mean, ever. Like, this stuff just did not exist um, back in 2011. And it was meant for... Um, people who had taken my workshop to take home with them and kind of be able to uh, go over what they already learned. So then that progressed. Um, and, and technology in 2011, you could not have video. So it was like uh, pictures, like step-by-step pictures and text in PDF form that people could download. Um, and then once technology allowed for it, I made that into video. So I recorded about four hours of video of me with um, a couple different newborns. and. Um, that was the e-workshop. And then I I do it for families too. So what happens is it's like now snowballed into like nine hours of video and, and like 35 pages of like this, you know, iBook page or book that I made. Um, so I would have to update it every other year because it was just such a big project. But what would happen is by the time I would go to update it, um, it would already be Uh, so outdated, I was almost embarrassed that people were buying it because my methods change. I mean, like any art, it's always um, changing and evolving, and I'm learning new things every year. Um, So I just kept wanting to do something. It was like a monthly uh, subscription where people, instead of, you know, spending $450 for this e-workshop that I update every two years, if we could just um, have new videos every month, and then kind of what I was saying earlier about how not to just follow and try to emulate one person so hard, uh, what I was realizing as I was teaching people was some of these people that I was teaching were really talented. Um, and they may needed help from me from you know, different areas, but they had a lot to offer. And while they weren't uh, really qualified to teach like a full-blown workshop, there were, there were little things that they did that like, I was learning from them. And I just thought, man, how cool would it be if I did a video every month, but we also had a guest photographer, maybe not necessarily you know, one of the heavy hitters in the industry, because there's a lot of really talented people, but um, there's so much to learn from newer photographers too, I think. So um, my goal is to, to have a video every month, and some of them we do have some huge photographers who have signed on um, to be a part of this. Susan Scott, um, Aaron Toll, Sandra Cohn, um, some really well-known um, Jessica Drossin we're talking to right now. Um, some really well-known uh, photographers in the industry um, who want to be a part of this, but also some people that maybe you know uh, you haven't heard of yet, which um, Mel from Samessa, who was my assistant, um, Hillary Kay, who did um, the mountain session in Denver, and then just some other photographers that we have on board because it's, it's an art and everybody does it differently. It's so cool to see how other people do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, as a a video producer myself, I'm a -hmm. big fan of you creating video content. I think that's amazing, I think it's one of the most important mediums uh, for any business is to have some sort of video content. Um, There's a lot of it out there already, right? So I'm just just a quick Google, and it says that 300 hours of video is uploaded to YouTube every minute, which is just insane, insane. (laughs) absolutely insane. Um, A lot of that is (laughs) riffraff, but some of it is absolute gold. It's actually Mm -hmm. free content. I know because I've done it myself in the past, I've done free tutorials where I've taught people how to use a particular piece of equipment. And it was, it was a way of marketing yes. myself uh, many, many years ago. Why do you think people would want to pay for your collective as opposed to just going on YouTube for free? Are you, you going to be offering something that they've just never seen before? Is it more of a personal touch? Yeah. How do you feel about just free content in general? It's horrible. <laughs> It's a horrible thing to talk about, I know, but... It's it's a beast that's out there, already. You know.
1: Yeah, there there is a lot of free content on YouTube, and I think that a lot of people have learned from that. But I have people said, you know, I've already you know sold between the e workshop and the the family workshop around four thousand um, copies. I guess you could say, and I would say probably nearly half of those have also self-taught themselves or taught themselves through YouTube videos and every single person said that this is like a completely different experience just in the fact that um not only do they get to be in a private group I I've never been one to teach somebody and then be like have a nice life see you later um if if you take a workshop or you know an online workshop or you know join the collective I'm accessible to you and that's um you know Monday through (laughs) Monday through Friday uh, in the you know, mornings, afternoons, I'm accessible. If, you, if someone tags me in the, those groups, I do my best to answer every single person's questions. Um, and I think that that's just something that you're not gonna get from YouTube. And I mean, I think that most people realize that the marketing stuff on YouTube, a lot of people are getting paid to buy YouTube, so they are still making um, money, but who they care about necessarily are more in terms of views um, not necessarily like actual learning. I guess I could put out tutorials as well, but I could get views easily just from having a fan base. And I think that people need to just be aware that usually a paid subscription is gonna be a little bit more of a um, a personal experience.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, amazing. It's obviously just, it's more genuine. I, I'm a big believer in it as well, I think. Uh, well, I, I know it'll work for you, so all the best. People like there's just there's people like Gary Vee that are stressing to put content out for free and regularly at uh, such a volume that's not really, in my opinion, sustainable unless you've got a team behind you that are doing it constantly. Mm-hmm. You've, obviously, you've you've invested in these productions, and you know you deserve to get your investment back, ideally.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and really, honestly, everything for me boils down to I, I I've always wanted to give like the best education out there. And I realized that giving someone like dumping nine hours of video on somebody every two years is not the best way to learn. And so we're trying to keep these videos short, around 30 to 45 minutes per video, and also shot in a way that feels more like entertainment while they're learning. Because I think the best kind of um, education happens when it doesn't feel like education. It's why you know toddlers know every word to Disney songs, because they memorized it. You know, if they just if you just like wrote out the words and made them read it, they're not going to learn it. But if you make it fun and engaging, it's really going to stick. In it. And that's like, I'm not just trying to sound like a used car salesman. I mean, my like true passion is for these women, mostly women, who follow me, who are photographers, to be able to bring income to their you know their family or themselves. That they're doing something that they love and getting paid a lot of money to do. It. And that's that's my where my heart is.
0: Okay, cool. So. Between my girlfriend and my dog and my work, I'm pretty much maxed out. <laughs> you've got a husband, you know, three kids, you've got multiple businesses, you've got a shop, you've got staff. How do you sort of balance your, your work life with your family life?
1: Well, I think the staff part is huge. I think that um, one of the best decisions I ever made was about eight years ago. I took on an intern just to answer emails for one hour a day during business day. So five hours a week. And I paid her 50 bucks, $10 an hour. And at that time in my life, that's all I needed. I just needed somebody to sit down and take care of the emails for me. And it wasn't that much. Um, now I have an assistant who does that and she works, I think 30, 35 hours a week. Um, but, but that's what some people say like, Oh, I, I can't afford to pay someone, you know, $400 a week. Like I totally understand that. Um, but for the most part, if you ha- are paying someone to sit down and work maybe two hours a day or three hours a day and you're paying them $10 an hour, you know, find a stay-at-home mom or a college intern who needs 30 bucks a day. Like, it's not, you know, that hard to do. They're working at home. Um, start delegating stuff out because one thing that in this industry, the problem is, is, is photographers, especially women photographers, a lot of them are the second Incomes in their family. Most of them start off as moms with cameras. I did, and it was their husband. My, you know, my husband, you know, had this career, and I was just kind of like the backup. So they are trying to consider themselves a stay-at-home mom still while being a photographer. But then they don't, you know, they wonder why, you know, it's not a booming business because they're not treating it like a business or a career. So they're not. Um, no, no successful business has one person only running it for the most part like if you look at any businesses on the street they have you know an accountant they have you know a receptionist you know whatever it is you know a restaurant or a doctor's office anything like that nobody's doing everything and I think photographers um, and probably videographers too um, they try to wear every hat and still try to have a life and it just is not going to end well um, if you don't find somebody um, to to come into the business with you
0: so, would you say that as a actual business partner or would you say it to employ somebody?
1: Um, well, I think like for videographers, maybe like you do the, the video but not the editing, um, or you have somebody else booking your, your schedule or whatever it is. Um, I think it's probably, I have no idea when it comes to the world of videography, so maybe I'm totally out there. But I know in photography, um, most people are doing like six sessions a week. And then they have all of those emailings and then they also do the, e- the editing. Then they wanna do the marketing and the social media. Um, and then kind of the list goes on and on. So I've kind of simplified everything in my life. So I have people doing certain jobs and I charge accordingly. Um, and that goes along with, you know, for my talent but also for, you know, my time and my staff's time.
0: So would you ever take on another photographer? So you could do two jobs in one day or would that change um. your style? As a business, you know, obviously people look at your website, they look at your photos, they want you. They want you as a personality. Yes. You bring a lot of energy to your shoots. If you suddenly send somebody else in your stead under the, the Rachel Banner, collective kind of banner, as you will, mm-hmm. you know, is, is that disingenuous?
1: No, no. I mean, so that's like right now kind of, I have an intern, Jenna, right now who started. She's basically an assistant slash personal assistant. Um, but she also wants to be a photographer. So we have a two-year contract that we're doing where she works for me, um, I'm training her, and during that time, you know, I am planning on using um, her willingness to learn. So, like, we will do mini sessions in the shop um, where if you spend, like, $250, you get a free, like, five-minute session. Um, And so Jenna will do those. And so those aren't typically the clients that are coming to me, you know, paying me $1,200. Those are the people who um, I'm just trying to get them in the doors of the shop for that. Um, and because really my my ideal client is not somebody who, you know, who wants a mini session. My ideal client is somebody who, um, you know, has the $1,200 to spend on a family, invest um, on, a, on a family session. Um, so. But then after those two years are up, I am more than happy to just refer clients straight out to Jenna, because having someone shoot under you um, is, I think, a little bit nerve-wracking, I think, just in terms of you know, liability, we're working with babies, and also just happy clients, because really no two photographers are the exact same.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're an international photographer? Like, What's, what's the coolest <laughs> place you think you've done? A session or a Oh workshop.
1: man. Uh, have you
0: been to the North Pole?
1: No, no. Um, I would say my favorite place in the whole world is Scotland. Um, we've, I've only been there twice. Um, I've been to Australia three times. Um, we have in Brazil, um, but Scotland, there's just something about Scotland I absolutely love. Um,
0: Certainly not the weather.
1: <laughs> no, I do love the weather because I think it's one of those things that the grass is always greener. Um, Indianapolis, Indiana, is actually really hot and flat. Um, we have lots of cornfields, and, you know, today it's, you know, September, but it's going to be close to 80 degrees, so it's, like, I'm ready for, like, yesterday was kind of, like, cool and misty and cloudy, and it just felt so nice. It's like football weather, we call it, um, but for the what most... Is it about,
0: what is it about Scotland that you... You
1: love that. Um, I mean, I love, I love the highlands, I love the mountains, I love the people, um, I love Edinburgh, I love the architecture, everything, and then one of my very best friends, Zoe, who you met, um, lives there.
0: Yeah, I'm just, like, Europe's just cool, isn't it? That's what, it, that's is, it is, it is, <laughs> that's,
1: um, I'm actually leaving um, for Europe, I'll be in um, Paris, Venice, and Madrid next week, so I've never been to Madrid, so maybe that will be one of my new favourite places. Wow.
0: I mean, Barcelona is one of my favorite places. I Just
1: know. I really so want to cool. go there.
0: Maybe in the
1: future, in the future. <laughs> you'll get a chance. Yeah, we're actually doing Portugal next um, next year, and I think we're going to go down to Marrakech. And so I have I have high hopes for Marrakech.
0: Yeah, yeah. You uh, you mentioned that you're you charge uh, twelve hundred dollars to yes. you, some of your clients, which is obviously a luxury product, and you're you're seeking quite a high-end client <laughs> for those sort of portraits. How did you go about sort of pricing what you're worth? Where did you come up with that number?
1: Well, I mean, as like my equipment, you know, when I first started, I was shooting with a Nikon D60 and a kit lens that I got from Costco. Um, Now I shoot with a Nikon D5 and the Sigma Art series uh, 50mm 1.4. And so right there in itself is, you know, I'm giving my clients images that the quality is just, you know, one of the best that you can get with Nikon. How much is
0: that kit? Do you think?
1: Oh gosh, I think the actual body when I bought it was close to seven thousand, and then the, the lens is close to two, I think. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking four hundred dollars worth of equipment versus almost eight. Um, yeah. So there's that, but there's also just the way that we do all the booking. So I only shoot on Mondays and Tuesdays, you know, just because it's a great schedule to have. Um, but what that does is, and this week is a perfect example. Um, we had rain. Um, today and yesterday, and my clients are for family sessions are guaranteed beautiful sun, perfect weather. Um, last week we, re- we <laughs> rescheduled because uh, it was like 95 degrees, I don't know what that is in, in United Kingdom. In
0: sure. Celsius, it's like 30 degrees, it's hot. It's, it's hot, like horrible yeah. Horrible, like, miserable.
1: Weather. And so my client was, you know, they don't want to be sweaty for pictures, they don't want to be miserable, they have a baby, they're going to be holding them and getting just like red in the face. Um, so pretty much my policy is they can they can reschedule anytime they want. Um, and if it's too hot, like over 80 or if it's you know under 50 degrees, we will reschedule for sure. Um, just because they, you know we don't want to have you know them freezing or too hot. So it's kind of a luxury in that sense or if someone's sick, they can reschedule. And so if that means if I'm shooting on Mondays and Tuesdays, I have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as backup days. So they almost get me on retainer for that that cost. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Yeah.
0: I mean, amazing. There's, I've got a couple of little quickfire questions for you because um, okay. I know your time is, is very precious. Um, so if you were a, you're looking to do this journey again and you wanted to be where you were, um, but you started earlier,
1: mm-hmm. what
0: would your advice be for your 21-year-old self?
1: Man. Oh, gosh. I probably actually would have told myself to slow down just a little bit because um, I think i missed a lot of my kids being little. Um, And I think I would have probably hired help sooner and raised my prices faster because I think I was very worried about losing clients and in the end um, I kept all my favorite clients and I ended up making about the same if not more and working half the amount of time.
0: Awesome. (laughs) What are your goals and ambitions? the
1: future oh gosh my goals and ambitions I'd love to see the collective turn into like an actual television show on um, like on a cable network television um, or something that we could turn in into like more of like a mainstream thing not just for photographers and I would love to open more of the Rachel Vanderman shops around the world because I think that especially in um, there are certain countries that just don't have good newborn props I would love to bring those um, to them and then, lastly, I, I really want to do a book in Africa. So <laughs> I love Africa. Actually, you know what? I take it back. Africa is my favorite place in the whole wide world. I just haven't been there in like twenty years.
0: Well, which country? Is your um,
1: the most most bulk of my time was spent in Malawi, Chipoka, Malawi, Africa. Um, but we were in South Africa and Zimbabwe and all over that side of Were that.
0: you working or just traveling?
1: I was actually on a missions trip. We helped build an orphanage um, for, for kids who had been orphaned from AIDS. Um, so my goal is to go back there and I would love to kind of shine a light on all the amazing things that Africa um, has been doing because I think that in general, a lot of people hear about the negative stuff going on there and I would love to kind yeah. of highlight all the great stuff that's going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I went to Kenya a few years ago and like I said, similar to you, it was one of my favorite places because the people worked so hard, and they were so humble, and it was just amazing to see like people living in villages with straw roofs and mud walls and no shoes yet having the best time ever. Yeah, and It just made you made me feel like you know life they, is good.
1: Yeah, well, and it's so funny because a lot of um, the friends that I had when I was there, they wouldn't move to america for anything because they actually kind of feel sorry for like how um terrifying life can be over here and i mean i love obviously i love my country but i think that the fact that they kind of were praying for us while we were there like we were there like on this mission trip, and they're like oh no like we need to send missionaries to america which is kind of funny because um i think their perspective Because,
0: because of crime Mean?
1: Well, I think just in general, like I just think that their perspective on you know happiness is just completely different than how, and probably in you know Europe too, like, like the mindset, you know, the rat race kind of a thing that they just, um, they just, yeah, it was it was funny that they're like, yeah, you know, we pray for Americans, like your poor lost souls, and you know, uh, you guys just need to find true joy. <laughs> it's like, uh, thanks. <laughs>
0: Wow. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's good that they do not feel sorry for themselves. No,
1: no, and we did not see hardly any of that at all.
0: Awesome. So uh, what do you like to do outside of work? Do you have any hobbies other than photography?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, no, not really. I mean, I love reading and I think that my job is so um, involved with other people and talking all the time and um, kind of being watched that I really just enjoy spending time with my kids and my husband and my dogs. I don't know. I'm, I'm super lame. Once I go home, it's kind of like, uh, I don't do much. That's fine. <laughs> but we do vacation. We vacation. We travel. And, I mean, really right now, um, my kids are almost 15, 11, and 9. And I realize that 10 years from now, my life is going to look very different than it does now. So I'm really trying to enjoy um, make up for the you know the time when um, I was building my business, and I wasn't as present as I would have liked to have been. I'm trying to make up for that now um, because yeah. I know ten years from now I can you know put in as many hours as I want, and I won't have kids at home, which is kind of sad.
0: <laughs> well, you take your kids on trips with you, don't you? Mm-hmm. You like do you like to take them all together, or do you because obviously one of them separate. is with us in Scotland? Yeah, I'd yeah. like spend a bit of sort of mother child time together, just the two of you?
1: Yes, I took um, my oldest to Mexico, and then my youngest just went with me to Scotland, and then Nicholas will be going with me to. Australia, and I know it's he's already been. So I'm gonna try to do something that we haven't done yet because we're gonna be most most of our time is gonna be spent in Sydney. I'd love to take him up to Brisbane and um, go to the Australia Zoo because I've never been and I just think that he would love it.
0: Why do you why do you split them up like that? Why do you?
1: Um, I think it's it's (laughs) it's because I'm a middle child. I think because um, I don't know what your birth order is, but I feel like as a middle child, you kind of, you never are by yourself with your parents ever, and you never get to make your own decision, or the youngest one too. Um, And so my son is wedged between like two of the biggest personality girls in the whole wide world. Um, And so I just thought, you know what, if I could take each kid on, you know, their own trip and I can let them make decisions and have like these meaningful connections with them. And they can also kind of see. You know more of the world because Indiana is not um, the culture capital of the United States you know believe it or not Um, so if I can get them out and experience um, new things it's just um, it's good for them because I I don't want them to ever think that you know America is the only cool place in the world to be
0: awesome Um, can you tell us something interesting that not everyone knows about you Oh, like, can man. Can you do the splits or juggle or...
1: I can, I can blow air out of my left eye.
0: That's gross. You might even you might even
1: be able to hear it. Do you want to see if you can hear it in
0: the yeah, microphone?
1: Go for it. Okay, let me see. Could you hear that? Did you hear it? It's like <laughs> yeah, a little I heard noise. it.
0: Yeah, like squeeze your nose <laughs> yeah, and breathe that, out. That's my
1: eyeball. And I've I seen some people can like... I know, now my ears are popped. Um, but I've seen that some people can like shoot milk out of their eye, like if they like... I don't know if they snort it or how they do it, but I, I haven't tried that yet. And I don't think I ever will. But I mean, that's really <laughs> the only like hidden talent that I have.
0: I mean, I've never—I didn't even know that was a thing. So that's blown. I don't. Mind I mean, so.
1: obviously, I was a child <laughs> when I figured this out. I have no idea what I was doing to figure this out, but yeah.
0: <laughs> um, what's uh, what is one resource that you would find useful? So, a book or a podcast or a bit of video content that you'd like as a photographer.
1: Um, well, I've never listened to a single podcast in my entire life. This is definitely the first experience I've ever had with one. I'm going to have to start listening to them now. Um, but I think, uh, gosh, one resource that for me or for other people that would be
0: um, helpful. It's something that you found useful that you think other people may find
1: useful. Um, it's so funny. I am gonna. this is going to sound like really emo of me, but I read um, The Razor's Edge when I was, gosh, 21 and don't ask me like the synopsis of it all I remember is like it changed my life <laughs> the and
0: it just kind of, trial. I'll check it out
1: yeah it's by Somerset Mom it's
0: okay cool um, and finally where can people learn more about you
1: um com, which is pretty much like there's links to everything there which is amazing because uh, I used to be Rachel Murphy and I'm really glad that I married someone with this weird last name because there's no other Vanovens that I know that have any sort of business. <laughs> so
0: so, so SEO sorted.
1: <laughs> I know I think that's probably why I had no idea when SEO was because I was like I there's there's no competition with my name at least and I'm so glad yeah. I didn't like name you know my photography name like Giggling cupcake photography or something like that because yeah 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 using your name I is like the so. best thing I, I probably ever
0: did. Awesome. Well, I'll put um, your Facebook group and your Instagram handles and stuff in the show notes so people can find you. Thank you very much for your time, Rage. It's been lovely chatting to you, and I hope people have learned something from this little podcast. And hopefully, you can check out the other episodes on the Crate Scramble.
1: I will. Peace.